Good morning, church. It's already been said, but I'll say it again. Happy New Year. <laughs> Find your Bibles and open them with me this morning to Psalm chapter 40. We stopped there thinking about uh, Christmas carols here a few weeks ago. By the way, I want to thank Pastor Sean for doing such a fine job last week uh, filling the pulpit. We're fortunate to have that kind of depth in our ministry staff. Today's the first day of the new year. <clears throat> We're going to think this morning about fresh starts. Have you made your New Year's resolutions yet? <laughs> Good. Do you know what last Wednesday was? Last Wednesday was Resolution Death Day. Resolutions last 35 days. That's the result of a joint study uh, between Foursquare and Swarm Magazine. Apparently, uh, the, the death of Resolution Day is 35 days after the first, which would land on February the 4th. That's the day that sales at fast food restaurants pick back up again to their pre-resolution day. That's the day that participation in uh, gyms declines to its pre-New Year's resolution days. So remember, February 4th will be coming up, and you'll note that's resolution death day. We're done with resolutions. Are you familiar, let me find it, with Good Riddance Day? See, I'm just a pool of information for you. Good Riddance Day, Good Riddance Day started back in 2006. It's the 28th of December. It started in New York City on Times Square. The organizers of, uh, of Good Riddance Day provide a van that has an industrial size shredder in the back of it. And you can write down your memories from 2022, from the previous year, your bad memories, hurt feelings, arguments, pains from the previous year. They supply the, uh, the stationery with Good Riddance Day on the stationery. You can write down the difficulties that you experienced in the previous year and throw it in this industrial uh, shredder and be done with it. If, you are, if the memory is such that you can't write it down, they provide these really big sledgehammers. So you can come and just smash it all to pieces and throw it in the back of a truck. Now, I'm not kidding you. That began on December 28th on, uh, in Times Square. It's been so popular that it has spread now to all the major cities across the nation. Dallas has, Dallas has Good Riddance Day. I think it'd be good for Wimberley to establish a Good Riddance Day. According to the founders, they say it's a chance. Let me find it. It's a chance to say, you know what? I'm going to let go of the things that have been dragging me down and look forward with a sense of hope to the possibility of change. Good Riddance Day. Well, that's true with uh, memories. It's also true with regrets, especially if we belong to the Lord. Now, let's look. Here at Psalm chapter 40, beginning of verse 1, David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me out from a desolate pit 
out of muddy clay, and he set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I like the way that ends. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. So the way we handle our yesterdays, the way we handle our difficulties, the way we handle our hurt feelings in the previous year is going to be a witness to people and lead many people to the Lord. I want us to think about this this morning. We're going to talk about fresh starts. I want us to give some serious thought to what the Bible says about having a fresh start. Here's the thing. God will give us a fresh start if we'll cooperate with him. If we cooperate with God and do as he says, he'll give us a fresh start, a genuine fresh start. David says this in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, where we have to begin is thinking about our realignment. We have to realign some stuff. And one of them is our patience. We have to realign our patience. Now, we're no good at this. I'm, I'm not getting any argument from any of you. Waiting patiently is not part of our DNA. So we're at a disadvantage here. Nonetheless, if we're going to cooperate with the Lord, this is where we need to begin, by realigning some things in our lives. So keep that concept in your mind here for just a moment as we run through this. Realignment. <clears throat> like our focus. We need to realign our focus and begin focusing on the Lord. I was watching my youngest grandson play baseball, and the people sitting in front of me were people from our church, and we knew them. They also have a young boy at home, five or six years old. And I asked them, as we were watching the 15-year-olds play baseball, if their youngest grandson, if their, if their youngest son was into baseball too. And the dad was up at the fence shouting helpful instructions to uh, his 15-year-old. So I was talking to her, does your little one, is he any good at baseball? And she said, well, Jason's having a hard time with him. They get out in the backyard and Jason pitches the ball. My son swings and never hits it. And so she said, I was watching them practice and Jason pitched, and my son swung and missed it again. And Jason said, Hunt, you've got you've to keep your eye on the ball. And the boy said, well, Daddy, you're not throwing the ball where my bat is. <laughs> it's, your, it's your fault. You know, as we're, as we're talking about realignment, let's, let's realize this. God is not going to do that. God's not going to throw his ball where our bat is. God's not going to chase us down and throw himself in front of us. We've got to do some realigning. We've got to do some realignment. Waiting patiently for the Lord means looking at him. Stop looking at the other sources we've always looked at in the past. Stop, stop turning to all the other options that the culture puts before us. We're doing some realignment here. And start putting our attention on God in this coming year, change some things in your life and focus on God instead of 
sources and options and everything else that, God, that the world throws in front of us, put our focus on God. Waiting patiently on the Lord means looking at Him, putting our attention on Him, giving Him our undivided attention, rivet our eyes on Him, focus completely on God, focus exclusively on God during this coming year. Now remember we're saying He's ready to give us a fresh start if we'll cooperate. This is part of the cooperation. Another thing, as we consider our realignment, is our faith or our trusting. We're going to want to realign our faith and start believing that God is going to do something great on our behalf. The enemy of faith is skepticism. When it comes to trusting God, if we're not careful, we become skeptical. A writer to the Christian reader describes her brother as a chronic skeptic, always guarded, always cynical. She tells the story, and I'll try to, I'll try to uh, shorten her story, but she said her brother got married late in life, and he took his bride to a fancy hotel, very skeptical of their service, felt like he paid too much for it, you know. And they were escorted up to the bridal suite, and he walked in, and there in the bridal suite, he saw a sofa, TV, chairs, table. He messed around with the sofa for a while and realized it was a hide-a-bed. And he turned to his bride and he said, we should have expected this. This is what we should have expected. For the high money I paid, this is what we get. Well, it was too late to do anything about it. So first thing in the morning, he got up and went down uh, to give the clerk, a piece of his mind, really ripped into the clerk. And the clerk said, sir, you're in a bridal suite. You have a living area and a bedroom. Did you open your bedroom door? A little bit embarrassed, he went up and opened what he thought was a closet. And there on the other side of the door was a beautiful bedroom with a beautiful view, balcony, Dresser, side tables, candy, flowers, and a California king-size bed. He found nothing because he expected nothing. When we expect nothing, that's what we find is nothing. Skepticism is our enemy. Waiting on God means expecting God to do something great. Eagerly watching Otherwise, if we don't eagerly watch for it, we will miss it. Skeptics as we are, we'll miss it. When I was a kid, we fished with the cane pole and corks. Two kinds of fishermen. There are fishers and catchers. Fishers are the ones like me, I'm afraid, who drop the cork in the water, the cork, the weight, the hook, the worm. Fishers are the ones that see the cork bobbing and assume that it's coming from the ripples that are caused by the wind. And we do nothing. That's ah, nothing. Catchers, same cane pole, same line, same cork, weight, hook, worm. When they see the cork moving, they don't assume it's the ripples from the wind. They assume a fish is on the line. They yank it and they catch fish. Are you a fisher or a catcher? 
When it comes to our faith in God, are we fishers or catchers? Do we assume it's nothing or do we assume God is providing for us and we trust him? One other realignment in addition to our focus and our faith. This is a biggie. Realign our function. Do you know what a function is in following God? Function is putting feet, feet to faith. Doing something. Faith walking is not a spectator sport. God doesn't expect us to sit up in the press box and give a narrative of what we're doing with God. God expects us to be in the game, executing the plays, putting our faith to work, doing the faith walk, not just talking about it or teaching about it or singing about it, but doing the faith walk. The function of Christian life is to get involved in the faith game. And I know I'm hitting a lot of hearts when I say this. We as Baptists, know all the faith passages. We know, we know uh, all, all the uh, Scripture passages in the Bible have to do with faith, and yet we're notorious for not doing faith. And I know this because I've been doing counseling for a lot of years. I'd read a Scripture and say, are you doing this? Well, no, Pastor, I'm not doing that. <laughs> do faith. Now this requires changing. Realigning ourselves requires changing. Let's think for a moment now about God's response to our realignment. Verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and, or after I did, he what? Now look at the action verbs here in this passage. He turned to me heard my cry for help, brought me up out of a desolate pit, out of a muddy clay, set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. Five action verbs coming from God because of our realignment. God's in a ready position. God's ready to respond when we realign our life. God's ready to go to work in our lives, keeping his promises. He does great things when we do what he's asked. Let me tell you the thing that cripples us at this point. We say things like, well, you know, I trust God, but I don't trust myself. That's in the Greek, by the way. Isn't that right, Sean? Or we say things like, God may be ready to do great things in my life, but I don't think I can hold up my end of the bargain. It's, you know, it's not about you. Or I know God is good, but pastor, you, you just don't know how bad of things I've done in my life. You know, when we start talking about the faith, the first word out of our mouth should be God. God does, not we do God, in response to our realignment in our lives, turning our attention to him, putting our faith in him, doing faith, God responds. Let me ask you this. Are you willing to organize your priorities in order to make God 
more important in your life? You willing to do that? Are you willing to get off your laurels and get in the game of faith in 2023? Because if your answer is yes to those questions, if you're willing to give focus, faith, and function a try, it doesn't matter what you've done. God doesn't care about your failures. God is in the ready position, ready to do. Not throw our failures up in our face. Can you imagine a loving father introducing his daughter by saying, this is my daughter. She spilled grape juice on our carpet when she was two years old, and we've never been able to get the stain out. There she is. Or this is my son, William. He wrecked my car when he was a freshman. I've never gotten it fixed. Would a loving father introduce his children that way? Throwing their failures up in their face? Well, neither does God. God's not about the work of throwing our failures up in, up in our face. God's about the business of giving us a fresh start. If you've given your life to Christ and trust and follow him today, then you never have to worry about your failures ever again. Your failures are under the blood of Christ. They've been forgiven you don't have to worry about your failures ever again. It doesn't matter how big your failures are. It doesn't matter how many times you've failed. God's in the ready position because of the blood of Christ on the cross. He absolutely forgives all your sin, past, present, and future. He will certainly do what he promises there in verse 2. All five of those action verbs. But I really need to mention something else here, and I hope, I hope this is just common sense. God's action in our lives is going to involve that dreaded word, change. When he goes to work in our lives, we're never the same again. When he goes to work in our lives, all those action verbs here in our passage are given to us by God in order to replace the things we leave behind. Listen, isn't that what you want? The things, the things that have caused you to fail, we don't want those anymore. Right? Those relationships, we don't want those anymore. Those weaknesses, those habits... We don't want those anymore. We leave those behind and we commit ourselves to following the Lord. Fresh start. Leave those things behind. And here's the thing we've been driving toward. Our restart. We begin this morning by establishing that God is ready to give us a fresh start in life. Verse 2 says, He'll lift us up out of a pit we're in, set our feet on a rock, give us strength, and give us stability. But then look at verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. What we're looking at here is absolutely foreign to people without God. This is so far outside the experience of our culture that it even eludes many long-time Christians, this absolute newness, this restart, a new song, a new joy, 
not just at the beginning of a new calendar year, but unexplainably, indescribably, all the rest of the way through life, constantly, constantly, constantly restarting us as we focus on him. Linda and I went to a movie over the holidays about this time last year. I don't remember what the movie was, but I remember it was cold. There was a movie that the kids loved called Clifford the Big Red Dog. You wouldn't know, would you? So we're standing in line, it's cold, and in front of us, there are these two young mothers, and between them they have five girls. Between the ages of like three and seven. The four younger girls are standing there in the cold, excited because they're about to see Clifford the Big Red Dog. The mothers are handling wallets and whatnot. One of the mothers had the baby on her shoulder. The baby is about two, maybe three years old. And she couldn't navigate it all, so she had to put this baby girl down. When she put the baby girl down, you know, she woke up. She was miserable. She was cold. It was awful. She was in a bad mood. She was grumpy. But these other four girls all gathered around her and said, Katie, Katie, we're going to see Clifford the Big Red Dog. And, you know, she stopped and she listened to them for a moment. And then she looked past them at the crowd inside there where the concession was. And she looked back at the girls and they were all like this, you know. And she started jumping up and down. She had her fists on both sides of her face. She's saying, Clifford the Big Red Dog, Clifford the Big Red Dog, Clifford the Big Red Dog. And I turned to my wife and I said, That'll preach. When she realized what was going on, when she realized what she was about to go through, when she realized what she was about to experience, she changed from miserable, confused, and disoriented to excited and joyful. When she realized. You excited about 2023? 2022 was bad. I've already talked to some of you here this morning. It was a bad year. Be rid of it. Put it in the shredder. Be done with it. Look at verse 4. How happy is the man who has put his trust in the Lord and has not not, not turn to the proud or to those who run after lies. Lord my God, you have done many things. Your wonderful works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they were more than can be told. More than can be told. In other words, what the psalmist is saying, if we only knew what was ahead of us, we would ignore what's behind us and have joyful excitement about 2023. The worst that can happen to us in 2023 is we go to be with him. That's it. That's the worst that can happen to us. Everything else is gravy. Everything else is gravy. Here's where we started. Let me say this again. God is willing to give us a fresh start, an exciting start, a new start, a new song. If we'll just cooperate with him. It's up to us. It's up to you. You can have it or not have it. New starts available for us, though, today. 